Um, we're going to carry on now our um, Proverbs series. Um, it's been really, really great. It's amazing. It's just amazed me, um, again, just how relevant the wisdom of God is, how timeless the wisdom of God is. Um, it's written however many years ago, but still completely applicable to our lives today. Um, so we're going to carry on our series um, in looking into the Proverbs. And um, it's going to be Walter who's going to be speaking to us. Walter is um, back from Holland. He's in quarantine at the moment. But he's still preaching to us. Um, we're really blessed to be led by Walter. Um, he's just such a great guy, such a great leader of our team. Um, I feel really privileged to have him on our team. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Walter to lead us through the next bit of our Proverbs series. Thank you so much, Tom. It's a real privilege uh, to be uh, with you all again. Uh, like Tom said, we've just come back from Holland. We've had a really great time there. Just go uh, on a holiday, see family and friends, but also we've had some time catching up with the churches there, encouraging them, supporting them, which has been really special. Uh, sad truth is that we've had to go into quarantine coming back for two weeks uh, because we just fall outside of the uh, the deadline uh, to get back. So, um, hey, it doesn't really change much for today, uh, but um, uh, I think we will be uh, enjoying the privilege of our home and our garden for the next two weeks uh, like never before. So, uh, like Tom said, we're in the uh, book of Proverbs. We've been looking through lots of different subjects over this summer. Uh, we've been looking at decision-making, pride, humility, work, disappointments, and today we're going to be looking at the subject of temptation. And I wonder what you think of when I mention the word temptation. What is the first word that pops into your mind when you think of temptation? Well, my first word that pops in my mind when I think of temptation is marshmallows. The marshmallow test, to be precisely. And to explain what I mean by that, I'm going to show you a little video. Here we go. Here's the deal. Marshmallow for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one. So then you'll have two. How'd you do? You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. There we go, the marshmallow temptation. Now you know what I mean by that. So this was a little experiment, a scientific experiment done under children uh, to see which children were able to say no, which one couldn't. And then they traced these children later in life to see how they turned out. And uh, it turned out that the children who learned to say no were much better adjusted adults as those who did not learn how to say no. So it's scientifically proven learning to have boundaries is a good thing. Now, uh, Temptations might not be too unfamiliar for you. It might not be marshmallows, but there will be all sorts of other things that might be challenging for you to resist. It could be the cookie tin that's whispering to you at 4 p.m. in the afternoon when you're bored and you're getting hungry. It could be uh, that red light you wish to skip when you're late for work. It could be that extra glass of wine that you know that you really shouldn't have or that business deal that just looks a little bit shady and you know it. Uh, it's that unkind thought that you're just trying to ignore, perhaps that little lie that you'd like to use to stay out of trouble. Uh, perhaps it's that person that you feel attracted to, perhaps that website that you can't stay away from, or that online chat that you know could cross a line. There would be all sorts of things that would be coming our way on a daily basis that we know really 
are not good for us, but we often struggle to resist it. So how do we handle temptation? What is temptation? How can we stand strong? That's what we're going to be looking at today. And uh, if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to Proverbs 1. Interestingly, Proverbs is a book written by a father to his son, full of wisdom, telling him what is going to help him in life and what is certainly not going to help him in life. And what we can see is that temptation is the very first thing that is mentioned in the book of Proverbs. If you go to Proverbs 1 and we go to verse 10, it says, My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood and let's ambush some harmless soul. We just skip along to verse 15. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths. For their feet rush into evil and they are swift to shed blood. In verse 18, these men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. So here we go. This is a father warning his son to stay on the right path, to try and avoid the temptations that are all around. And throughout the book of Proverbs, we can see all sorts of themes come up. He's warning his son against quick, rich programs, against worthless friends, against laziness, against sensual women, foolish actions, fist fights, drunkenness, idle discussions. It is all riddled throughout the whole book of the Proverbs. A father warning his son, stay on the right track. But why? What's wrong in just a bit of harmless fun, in just kind of dabbling in a little bit of, we know we really shouldn't. But uh, what's so important? Why is the writer of the Proverbs so strong in his expressions? He is fears and his warnings direct sometimes uh, even forceful why why is he trying to keep his son out of trouble is it just a, a father that hopes that his son turns out to be a goody two shoes or is there more going on well we can see really in this first chapter as we read that the path that we take when we are tempted and take a step away from the good path leads to death. It says in uh, verse 19, such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. You see, there's two paths in life. There's the path that we follow on the ways of God, and then there's a side path. And every step we take on the side path, away from the path that leads to life, and God, like Tom was saying, the fountain of life, Jesus, um, is a path towards death. And it's that first step. It might look insignificant, but it's that first step that matters most. It's the first step that determines the direction that we're going in. And that's why the writer of Proverbs is so strong in his expressions and his warnings. And this is really how the age-old story of the world started. We can see in Genesis uh, right at the beginning that Adam and Eve were tempted too. We can see that God created a garden of Eden and in the garden there were all sorts of trees that they could eat from. But there was one tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that God said, do not eat from this tree. Now, you might wonder, why on earth did God create this tree? Couldn't we have solved ourselves a whole lot of uh, problems and saved ourselves lots of harm if God just did not create that tree? If there was no tree of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, then there could have been never 
any sin that would come into the world. Well, uh, that might seem a logical thought, but God had created Adam and Eve as friends in a relationship. And love can only be true love when it's tested. And God put one limitation in the garden to test their love, their friendship, their relationship. And he said, you can eat from all the other trees. It's just this one thing. That's what love is. Love is not a relationship without limitations. Love is uh, fiercely uh, uh, um, centered on the person that you love. It's exclusive in nature because you choose that love above all other loves. And that's what makes love so special. Now, we can see that, uh, unsurprisingly, this is where Satan turns up at the tree. And he's starting to whisper to Adam and Eve and he starts to tempt them. Now we can uh, read in, in Genesis that he goes away uh, in a very crafty sense and he starts to whisper to them. But it's clear that it's Satan who does the tempting. You see, sometimes we get confused and we think God puts us to the test, but that, that's not biblical, my friends. It's Satan who tempts us. It says in James 1 verse 13, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But Satan is called the tempter, and he comes and he starts to distort the words that God had spoken to Adam and Eve. And that's always how temptation starts. It's just a little bit off. It looks familiar, but it's slightly off. And he says uh, in Genesis 3 verse 1, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, that's not what God had said at all. He just said there was one tree they should not eat from. But he starts twisting God's word right from the start to try and question his words. And that really is what temptation is all about. Did God really say that I shouldn't do this? Surely, surely it wouldn't harm. Surely it wouldn't be too bad. And that's what Satan does. He tries to distort the words of God. And then we can see that he starts to question the heart of God. He says, well, surely you won't die if you eat from this tree. You'll be like God. God has been keeping you from your true potential. He's been keeping you from true excitement and joy and life. And that's where Adam and Eve fall for. We can see that they eat from the fruit. And that's where all death and evil and sickness pain starts in this world just that little sidestep away from the truth and that's where we go god um, was um, uh, fiercely loving and devoted to his people but they chose to step away from that relationship to seek themselves it was at the tree that the love of mankind was tested and it's where they fell now, we can see that that questioning of God's word, his motives, is the very heart of temptation. And that's what will happen to us. We find ourselves in a situation and we, we, we suddenly don't quite see things as clearly as we used to. We suddenly start to question God's word. Uh, I was uh, during this holiday on a car journey with a good friend of mine and uh, we were talking and he was sharing with me the struggles he was facing in his marriage. And, uh, and it was so hard. It was devastating to hear uh, his wife going through all sorts of health problems and other things. And, and, uh, and their marriage was really, really struggling. And um, as I listened to him, my heart just broke when you hear that sort of thing. Uh, full sadness, uh, total understanding of the brokenness that he was living in day by day. And uh, he started to talk to me about how certainly this marriage wasn't really what he had uh, in his mind when he said yes to her. And uh, surely 
uh, God wouldn't want him to be unhappy for the rest of his lives. And he started to question his devotion, what he had promised his wife to stay with her for the rest of his life. And as I listened to him, I, I saw how Satan had started to whisper into his heart to try and take him off the track just a little bit. Surely God hadn't said, surely it wouldn't look like this. And uh, my heart broke. I think God's heart breaks when he hears these stories. You can understand the complexity and the pain involved. But as soon as he started to make these thoughts, um, he, he asked me at the end, what do you think? And uh, I, I just had pain in my heart. I said, oh, my friend, um, my heart weeps for you. But um, what you're saying is filled with um, distortions. This is not what God says to us. This is not what the Bible says about marriage. I totally understand it looks different from what it was. And I totally understand this is not what you were after. Um, but, but you've made a promise and that promise has real power. God wants to meet you uh, in this place and he wants to be your everything. But trying to make a man found solution in the midst of this is not going to give you life. Only God can give you life and he can give you life. He can give your wife life. He can give your marriage life. And uh, you must not try and take that step to try and fix things yourself. Although it's hard and God's truth still stands and we need to hold on to God's words. Now, this is so painful. There will be many other things for you in life where you might be wrestling with and you think, oh, surely God wouldn't want me to, or surely this. And uh, it's in this process that the tempter, Satan, will try and drive a wedge between us and God. He will try and do anything he can to try and dislodge us from the heart of God. Because if he can dislodge us from the heart of God, he will win. He will put us in isolation and he will put us on a path to destruction. And it's at this very uh, point that we must hold on to God. And you see, at the tree in the Garden of Eden, it was the love of mankind that was tested. But what Satan did not know, that it was also the place where God's love for his people was tested. You see, although they turned away, God did not give up on his children. And uh, what we can see is that God sends his son many, many, many years later, Jesus, to come to the world because he does not want to give up on his children. He still loves his children. And ironically, we can see that right at the start of Jesus' ministry, the, the situation of the Garden of Eden is repeated. He too is tempted. And we can see that uh, he, he goes into the desert and uh, is tempted by Satan. Now we can read this in Luke. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Luke 4, verse 1. And it says this, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. You think, whoa, hang on. I, I thought it was... It was Satan who did the tempting. Here, the Holy Spirit is leading him into the desert. Well, uh, let's try and get this right. I think it's indeed Satan who is tempting him. He's tempted by the devil, but it's the Holy Spirit who leads him into this season. And you wonder why? Why did Jesus have to go to the desert first? Why was he tempted? Well, we can see that the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert to be tempted because he wants to give his son victory. Jesus has come to bring victory over the enemy. And the only place where he can gain victory is in confrontation. So in this place, this is where Jesus uh, stands and this is where he is tested. Now, when Jesus is tested, it's not like the father stands with his arms folded just to have a little look to see how his son gets on. No, the father brings him into this place of temptation so he can bring victory 
to his son. And the same is true for us. When, when we are tempted in life, when Satan comes and tries to uh, move us away from God's path, it's, the father doesn't just stand from a little uh, sideline having a look. Mm, let's see how he gets on or she gets on. No, he is actively involved with us and he's cheering us on because he wants us to live in victory and to gain victory over the evil one. And we can see that Jesus uh, is tempted by Satan in the same way that Adam and Eve is. He starts to question God's word straight away. He says, if you are God's son, and then he talks about um, making stones into bread and throwing himself down from the temple and worshiping Satan. But he starts with that little word, if you are the son of God, he starts to question Jesus' identity and the words that God had spoken over him when he was baptized just before that. This, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And Satan, firstly, he says, if, if you are God's son, well, let's prove it. Well, we can see that Jesus stands firm rather than questioning God's word, rather than listening to Satan and doubting God's heart. He holds on to the word of God. Every reply that Jesus makes is the word of God itself. He doesn't say, well, surely God can't mean this or surely he doesn't mean that. No, he says, God says this. And this is where I'm going to be holding on to. So powerful. And we can see uh, after that, if you read uh, Luke 4 verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. So you can see that Jesus is first tested and he's victorious over Satan. And then he returns. First, it says he went into the desert full of the spirit, but he comes out of the desert full of power, full of power in the spirit. You see, when we overcome Satan, when we stand strong, there is power that flows into our lives. Why do demons quake? Why do uh, sicknesses get cast out when Jesus starts his ministry? Because he had overcome the evil one because he had stood strong. And this is why resisting temptation and standing firm matters so much, my friends. Um, why is the church in the West filled with so much weakness? It's because so often we do not stand strong. And it's when we do not stand strong and sin comes in, there's a wedge that gets driven between us and God and the relationship is fractured and we will start to live in weakness. Yes, we are still saved. Yes, God still loves us when we follow him, but we live in weakness. We do not live in the power that God has for us. And this is why standing strong matters so much. In the Old Testament, we can read the story about Achan. Uh, Achan was part of the people of God and, and the people of God were sent on a quest to conquer Jericho and with great miraculous power, the walls crumble down and God has said, all the treasures of Jericho are mine devote them to me. And what Achan uh, saw, he says, he, he, he looked and he saw a beautiful garment and some uh, gold, silver, some riches, and, and he takes it. He saw it and it was good and he took it. And then we can see that they come to the next place and they just send out part of the troops because it's such a little place, a little place called I. And we can see that they come back and they're totally defeated. They, they, they defeat him. And Moses, uh, uh, Joshua cries out to God and says, well, what's happened? Why did you send us here only to, to be defeated? And God says, well, there's sin in your midst. And uh, that's why you are weakened. And we can read from the story of Achan that the sin of one man brought weakness on the whole people. And it's when we learn how to stand strong that we live in power. But when we stand in weakness and we follow temptation, there's weakness that comes, not just affects us, but our, our marriages, our families, our church life. 
And this is why it matters so much to stand strong. Now, how, how do we stand strong in temptation? Uh, how can we get through and be victorious? Well, um, uh, it, it's very difficult. Personally, I've shared stories with you before how I've, I've, I've struggled with many temptations, probably one of the biggest ones that I've been wrestling with and, and still continue to wrestle with um, uh, uh, on a regular basis is pornography, just a temptation to look to things that I should not. As a teenager, I was drawn into this and, and hooked and, and I really struggled. I just could not get free. I hated myself for it. Every time it happened, I, I, I vowed never to turn there again, but every time I, I just couldn't. I, whenever whenever I felt empty, whenever I felt I missed something, uh, that's where I turned. And uh, it's in that place that I stumbled time and time again. And I tried everything. I, I tried being accountable to friends. Uh, I tried putting software on my computer to, to uh, avoid me from getting their passwords on our internet and TV and all sorts. And, and yet every time my twisted heart just found a little way around it and, and, and that hole just wanted to be filled. And I, I tried so hard and I made a little bit of progress, but it was just a matter of time until I I ended up in that place again. And it wasn't until God started to speak to me about this and said, you need to stop fighting this temptation and you need to learn how to draw close to me. You see, when we try to fill our hearts with limitations and safeguards, we, we, we won't fill the void that we have. And um, we must run to the heart of the Father to be filled. And that really changed everything for me. As I start to pursue God in the quiet place, worshipping, praying, seeking him, not just reading my Bible a little bit and going to church, but really pursuing him, that's where my heart started to change. My heart started to be healed and filled up. And it's in that place of fullness that I could say no and continue to live strongly until this day. And uh, I want to encourage you, when you are struggling with temptation, perhaps you've just given up, like you've gone there so many times, um, overeating, worrying, um, looking at things you shouldn't, saying things that you shouldn't, thinking thoughts that you shouldn't. At some point, Satan will just come and say, well, you're just hopeless. There's, there's no hope for you. You just give in. Well, my friends, that is not true. You are not hopeless. You do not have to give in, and there is hope. Uh, Joe talked about it at the start of our service, that the Father is on the lookout. And we can see when the lost son, the story in the New Testament that Jesus tells, is sitting in the mud, uh, in the pigsty, and life has just turned out a mess. He doesn't get himself cleaned up. He doesn't go to a self-help program. He he goes back to the father and we can see that the father is standing and looking out for his son. And when his son comes, he is covered in muck. He's, he's, he's hopeless. But the father runs to him, throws his arms around him and says, my son. And it's in that place that the son finds true freedom. He thought getting away from his father and pursuing the things that he wanted would give him freedom. But when he returns, uh, finding out that there was no hope in what he was looking for, there's real hope in the arms of the Father. And that's where he finds healing. It's in that place of intimacy with the Father that he's washed clean, that he is reaffirmed as a son. And I want to encourage you, if you struggle with temptation, um, don't just try harder. Don't just try and put more laws on yourself. Don't try and please God just to show that you are dependable. Don't, don't even go and look for temptation to stand strong. Like run away from it. The Bible talks about learning how to stand strong under trials, but you run away from temptation. But in that place, run to the Father. Run to the Father. 
in his arms you will find strength to resist these things you see it was at another tree that god's love was ultimately displayed it was the cross and that's where jesus hung and he gave his everything that's where satan roared against him took everything away from him his very own life and yet there he was victorious in weakness and he gave everything he had for us that's where god showed that if we are faithless he remains faithful and i want to encourage you um, i've been singing a song over the last few months uh, called run to the father in my quiet times and it's been so powerful i want to i want to encourage you and and finish by reading uh, those lyrics it says run to the father i run to the father i fall into grace i'm done with the hiding no reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend so i'll run to the father again and again my heart has been in your sight long before my first breath running into your arms is running to life from death and i want to encourage you with that i want to encourage you to be uh, finding your own heart in this place filled with the love of god running to the father the father loves you so much and he wants you to draw closer not to try harder not just to uh, try and bear up under it if you feel like a total failure you just think there's no hope run to the father and he will fill your heart he will heal it and he will bring you close so uh, as we come to the end of uh, this uh, um, time together to to look into what proverbs has to say about temptation i want to encourage you go to the father draw near and that's what we want to do now thank you father that you are good thank you that you love us and that you want us to live in victory and in power thank you that you give us strength to stand firm in these moments and uh, i want to take a time now just to pray for all of us i just want you for a moment to close your eyes and just ask the holy spirit to point out in your heart what is it that is presenting the whole in your heart what is it that you feel most easily tempted to what are some of the weaknesses that you face and just just let him take you by the hand to show to show you this well as you're picturing this um, i just want to pray over us and pray for freedom and i want to lead you to some surrendering Jesus, first of all, I want to pray that you will come and take away any condemning voices, Lord, that will come into our heads as soon as we think about these weaknesses. Lord, I pray that you will destroy this picture of the Father standing with his arms folded, looking how we're going to do next, how we might fail. Lord, I come against the lies of the enemy that will seek to drive a wedge between us and God. I say, Father, you see us where we are. We surrender these things to you. Thank you that you are standing with your arms open, that we do not have to clean ourselves up, but that we can come running to you. And I just want to encourage you just now, just draw close to the Father. Just come running to him as he comes running to you, to come and meet you and fill that need. And as he embraces you, I just want to encourage you to open your ears, to listen to what he says to you. Just take a moment to let the Holy Spirit speak into your heart. What is the Father saying over you today? And now, Father, I pray that you will come and fill our hearts 
Will you fill our hearts, Lord, when we've been empty, when we've been running to other things, I pray, will you come and fill our heart with living water? We pray that you will come and fill us with water that will make us never thirst again. Lord, we pray that you will come and fill that hole and make us whole, Lord, that we may live in fullness, in strength and power. Lord, I pray for my friends in this season. Lord, I pray for myself. Lord, will you help us to stand strong? Lord, we pray that prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, Lord, to to not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to gain victory, Lord, in these areas. And we pray that you'll help us to, to hold on to your words, Lord, to hold on to you. And we pray for freedom, Lord. I pray for freedom for those who've been stuck for many years in cycles of temptation and failure. Lord, we pray that you will come and bring breakthrough and healing in Jesus' name. Amen.